Are we good? <laughs> We're good. Uh. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome to our time of the month. It's June. And we're still in hell. <laughs> remember when we remember when we said everything's on fire and it was like a metaphor? <laughs> remember when we said we this is like the country's burning in a hellfire? We're there we're there now. We're Yeah. We're we're, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> oh, it's June of twenty twenty, which would traditionally be such a joyous Pride Month for us all. And holy hell. It is not. <laughs> we have so much to talk about this month. Um and thank you for being here with us, Sevens. Yeah. Loyal as always. Loyal as always, you sevens of listeners. Sevens. Um, did we did we want to up that number? Did we want to say maybe like a nine? I think we said nines. Yeah, you know. Not. I feel like sevens rolls off the tongue better, but yeah. I feel like maybe. Dare I say we're in the teens? Maybe in the teens. You oh, know. No. Listen up, nines. The tens are talking. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That, I mean, we can also just blanket statements, say, hey, quarantiners. Yes. Because that's up, still a thing. That is still a thing. It didn't go away. Um, no. <laughs> so we are um, here in June, and obviously June was full of Black Lives Matter content. We are absolutely paying attention to all of that conversation, and we are absolutely going to be discussing that in um, a separate episode because we really want to save space for that. And we don't just want to gloss over how serious this moment in history is for Absolutely. us, for our friends, for our families, for black artists, for black authors, black musicians, black lives. Uh, so we really want to, um, to, to create like the appropriate amount of time and space to discuss that deeply. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just like, it, it shouldn't be a revolutionary or like groundbreaking thing for us to say, right? Mm -hmm. But like Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. <laughs> Black Trans Lives Matter. Um, I, I feel like everywhere I go, I'm like, I'm just going to say it. So that way you can all know everything about me and where I stand. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, and we're going to give in a whole, we're going to give that whole episode to you. And um, we hope that you will, if you haven't already been, um, uh, lifting up black voices, black art, um, that this is a good place for you to start and to continue to support. Absolutely. So in lieu of that, we're dealing with, you know, a still quarantined artistic world. And while we're all still sheltered in place, hopefully sheltered in place, or at least mm -hmm. masked and out in the world, um, mm -hmm. uh, we are still relying on artists to get us through this, right? So we're still reading yeah. a ton of books and we are still relying on Netflix and HBO Max and Disney Plus and all of the streaming services to really kind of get us through this difficult time. Exactly. So. Quibi, Peacock coming out in July, everything. So much stuff is going on right now. So in lieu of that, um, Pride Month has really been scaled way back. Sad for Joe's Gay Corner. But Josephine, you know we are not without content for this gay pride, are we? No, absolutely okay. not. And <laughs> it's it's so interesting because like the content that did come out, it was always kind of like, I think people felt guilty producing that content because it was stuff that they already had planned for Pride mm -hmm. Month. But like, you know, 
I, I think they were just like, we're we're not racist, we swear. Let's release this thing that's really white. <laughs> yeah. It's been a difficult time to, to release art or to feel like you have permission to put mm-hmm. stuff out there as well. And I think anything that saves space for oppressed people and anything that contributes some joy into the world right now, um, Mm -hmm. or tells stories of oppressed people, like anything that, um, contributes to the conversation is really going to be valuable and, and so, so needed in this time. So, um, we're going to come at you with some pride content for sure. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of the state of the industries that we're working in, in the realms of stuff, as we're still navigating this quarantine and the various states of uh, closure and reopening throughout the country. We're going to talk about our comfort watching. Uh, And of course, Joe's going to talk to us about what he watched with his parents. And uh, a little bit of a check-in, because I'm a teacher, I want to know if we did our homework. So (laughs) the first thing I want to talk about is, um, can we start with comfort watching? Yes, please. Okay, we're going to start with comfort watching. What have you been watching this month? Uh-oh. Or what is like the one main thing you watched this month that has felt warm and ooey-gooey like a good cheesy mozzarella stick inside of you? I mean, that's so interesting, right? So like I did subscribe to HBO Max and I have been like my, I've been watching Friends again. I've been watching like Gilmore Girl, you know, like the usual. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing? Oh god, it's so dated and like it's really bad. Like it's (laughs) and like a lot of it's not funny. It's like real cheesy. Yeah, I know. But it's comforting. uh, It's comforting. It's comforting. It's you know that's that's my journey to go on with that. Mm but I think the show that's been, and maybe not ooey gooey, but it's definitely provided a lot of belly laughs is on Netflix. It's called uh, Floor is Lava. <laughs> it's exactly what you, it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, basically, it's a game show that where um, teams go into this giant room that has all of these like furniture. And, but the thing is that the floor is lava. So there's like, I mean, it's water. But it's like water that's either been dyed or somehow the lighting makes it look like lava. And their job is to get from one end of the room to the exit. Um, And they're like jumping over things and like having to do monkey bars. And it's a lot of physical exercise and exertion. And I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, my knees, I'd be done. I would be in the lava. This is not not for me. I'm I'm going to be all up in that floor and I recommend everybody watch the episode where the first team that goes is three flight attendants. Um, one of whom is a six foot drag queen named Chicklet. Um, and, he, and he's not in drag, but he talks about it and they call him Chicklet. And it's like, you can totally see their, you can totally see their dynamic, their personal dynamic. Um, but the reason why I want you to, everybody to watch that particular episode is because it was the first time in months that I heard my mom like belly laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> I love that. 
was watching this and it was it's also just a fun time and it really you're really rooting for people and sometimes you're really rooting for people to fall into the lava Uh. (laughs) (laughs) which is really which is really great um and that's episode five of the season um so please and it's just the first one and if and if you don't if all you watched was just just that that one episode you're good exactly all right if just for the joy of your mom (laughs) <laughs> exactly. just know and it's like because you you can tell they're like three kind of like scandalous like um uh flight attendants you know mm-hmm. so they're just like saying all these <laughs> things and it's just like you know i love the idea there's, of scandalous flight attendants too like you know oh that they're just God. like getting hammered in the cabin by themselves yes. that the, and then it. like the picture that they show of their friendship it's like you know they're in like hawaii you know they're yes. just like on their layovers I was a flight attendant. I'd be bad news, man. I mean, I feel like I feel confident that I'd get you to your destination safely, but I feel like I'd also cause some ruckus amongst passengers, especially (sighs) people who are being difficult because, you know, I don't take shit. Anyway, no, you'd be, a, I think you'd be a perfect flight attendant to be quite honest. <laughs> well, you know, if the theater thing doesn't work out for me, maybe we'll see. Yes. You know, and if the pandemic thing doesn't work out for us, we'll see how we go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so my comfort watching this month has been online. Um, and I have been on YouTube like every other week watching uh, a series called Reunited Apart with Josh Ooh. Gad. Um, Josh Gad, who famously voiced Olaf in the Frozen movies, and he played Elder Cunningham in the original Broadway cast of Book of Mormon. Um, So he's a really distinct voice and character actor, but he's also just a big, dumb super fan. And Mm -hmm. it is like the best thing ever to watch him like completely nerd out with like his idols right so he created this web series called reunited apart uh wherein he creates these really amazing fantastic reunions on zoom all online with these like classic iconic 80s movies casts so Mm -hmm. in his first season he did um he reunited the cast of goonies like the entire of Goonies, um, the entire cast of uh, Ghostbusters. Okay. With the exception of, you know, Rick Moranis mm-hmm. and who's the Ghostbuster who died also? Um, uh, Raimi. Thank you. Yeah. So, Harold Ramis. Harold yeah. Ramis. Not Sam Raimi. Like, yeah, yeah, Harold yeah. Ramis. Um, but like almost like complete reunions of these casts. And then he did um, Back to the Future. He did Splash with Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks. He did the Lord of the Rings reunited and recently did Ferris Bueller's Day Off with Mm. that ended with like a really beautiful tribute to John Hughes. Um, And within these episodes that are actually like really lengthy, they're like 45 minutes to an hour of a reunion. um, They, he, he gets everybody to kind of like reminisce and asks them about certain experiences of filming and what they remember of it. Then he gives them like pieces of scripts and has them like reenact parts of the movies just so that like Josh Gad can be there like totally geeking out and living his like childhood fantasy. Right. Um, and then he brings on like a super fan. So like Jake Gyllenhaal came on 
and he was a super fan of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So he came on and he quizzed like the whole cast on trivia that they may or may not know about their movie. And it's just like, it was such a joy and so lovely and brilliant to watch. Um, and I mean, really just like joy to watch. Mm-hmm. So anyway, reunited uh, heart. I'm pretty sure I'm going to watch this now. I really need you to, because it's just good, stupid fun. And I think he released them on like Sunday mornings and I would like spend my whole morning just like making my coffee and like laying in bed, watching these and giggling because it was so adorable. And also so reminiscent as somebody who grew up with those movies to watch the cast of Goonies reunited, to see like the Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. cast reunited. It's just, uh, Mm -hmm. it just, it's like hearken, hearkening back to like that piece of nostalgia that we all need to feel comforted, but also it's just like silly, giddy joy of like, oh my god, I'm meeting my heroes, and so I, I just loved it all. It was great. I've I've never seen the Goonies. The silence was audible there. <laughs> <laughs> like real, like you just froze me in my tracks. How are we friends? I, 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 people ask me that all the time because I tell them, yeah, I've never seen the Goonies, I've never seen the Princess Bride. So, um, I, I, I know. Josephine! I, I know. And I, 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 it's not because, I mean, like, it's not like it's not ready available. It's just, you know, I, I, I feel like that's a, my touchstone movies from that time period are like, um, Back to the Future and yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And, All right, uh, our time of the month, listeners, this is my promise to you. <laughs> Listen to me, quarantiners, you sevens of people. I am going to watch both of those films with Josephine in the upcoming months. We are going to sync up our televisions and watch <laughs> oh, the gosh, Goonies together. Goddamn right we are, yes. We're going to watch The Goonies together, and we're going to watch The Princess Bride together, and you're going to love them, damn it, or we are ending this partnership. There we go. That's my solemn promise to you guys. My my fear, though, is that, like, I will watch them, and I'll be like, ah, they were okay. No, you won't. You won't, because these films are timeless. So okay. much so that when I show them to, like, a classroom full of 12-year-olds, they're like, oh, Miss Wendy, what are we watching? And then, like, 10 minutes in, they're, like, riveted and in love with these films, and they're in it. Okay. Okay. Do we you will, trust we me, should, Josephine? Do you trust me? I trust me? you. I do right, trust so we you. We will go on this journey together. I will hold your hand. It will be a safe space. I will honor you. <laughs> we will... I see you. I honor you. We will. We will make space for this. I promise. Okay. All right. right. I'm. I'm all. I am game. I am game. Yo, we starting off the hot. All right. Already. Fifteen minutes in. (laughs) That was only comfort watching. That's all we did. All right. Let's get into some gay shit. Talk to me about pride. Um, pride. My God. Um, if it wasn't for um a black trans sex worker we would not have pride let's just say it uh, back. for two two sex workers we had two sylvia sylvia yes. rivera Marsha p johnson and then yeah. um the 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 third one who not a sex worker but definitely like the the mayor of uh the mayor of the village um stormy delabier who if if Marsha was the who Mar- if Marsha was the first person to throw 
um, the first shot glass, Stormy Delavier was the was the person who threw the first punch at Stonewall, mm-hmm. and she was this. There, and there's lots of like rumors around how that happened because like mm-hmm. the, the the mythology of it now is that like Marsha threw the first brick, yeah, and then. Mm-hmm. Later, that has been contested that there wasn't a brick thrown, and that Marsha showed up later, like after yeah. the fighting had started, and all of that. So the story around it is a little obscure, and there's lots of different versions of it. But regardless, Pride started as a riot. Yeah, it started as the queen's taken back what's theirs. Exactly. So that being said, there was still a lot of gay content because it's mm-hmm. still June. Um, you could tell that like, if you were, if you were always going to be a basic white gay insta, insta, insta gay, then, you know, your black square for one day was not gonna, you know, really do much. But, um, there were people who like the people that I followed, they're like consistently posting, you know, resources and, and books and things and how to like uplift people. So yeah. Um, that being said, uh, one of the first things I did for uh, Pride Month is I watched the Trixie Mattel documentary. How was um, that? It was it was very good. Um, I for a while and I haven't watched it yet. But tell me why I, I should. I like Trixie Mattel. I mean, I always kind of like Trixie Mattel, but good I feel life. like I feel like her. I feel like it's a good it's a glimpse into what it's like to be a working queen. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, like Trixie, Trixie was popular already. She went on All Stars. It it kind of goes through her All Stars journey. It goes through the fallout that she had with Katya when they were doing their World of Wonder show. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that they had a fallout. Oh yeah, they had a huge falling out because Katya um, Katya had to. Um, she admitted herself into rehab again um, because she um, had like a relapse and there were some, you know, she had, she was very concerned for her mental health. Mm-hmm. And so um, she left the show for a while. And that's why, like, if you go back and you look at the shows from that time, it's like Bob, the drag queen is on as the replacement for Katya. In the meantime. What show is this? It's called, um, Oh my God. What is it called? Uh, uh, I think it's called, uh, uh, or something like it's some word. Mm-hmm. It's a wonder show with Katya and, um, with Katya and, um, Trixie. And I remember listening to Katya on a podcast, um, talk about like, it was, it was like the first podcast she did interview she did when she got out of rehab mm-hmm. and talking about like how she got there. And it was this really long drawn out thing, but so, so the documentary covers that the documentary covers like all of the press, uh, for, uh, all stars when she wins, um, co- her covers her winning all stars. And it's just a nice insight into what it's like to be a queen that works and has oh. to like travel like Europe with her bags and what that looks like and all of that stuff. And the dynamics of her family, you know, her mm. being, um, her growing up basically poor in, um, in the middle of America, in the Midwest, I should say. Um, so it's all of that stuff. Plus out of everybody's music that all of the Queens that have ever produced music, I like Trixie's the best. She's a really um, like legit musician too. Yeah. She's a legit musician. She can actually, she plays instruments and she actually has like 
songs that I'm like, wow, this is, you can tell that a like folksy singer songwriter wrote this. Yeah. She's not an auto scene queen. No, she's not on the two queen. She's not a parody girl. Mm-hmm. She she did write a novelty song on her new album that's dedicated entirely to Jesse Eisenberg. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's very smart. But so. again, like I, I I recommend it if you if you're a fan of Rue Girls, if you're a fan of Drag Race, you definitely should watch the Trixie Mattel documentary. Awesome, cool. Well, now I will. It's on my list. I totally will. So you're gonna watch Reunited Apart. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch the Trixie Mattel documentary. Put that okay. in our homework. Okay. Um, let's talk about a new season of Queer Eye. Ooh, all um, things just keep getting better. <laughs> First of all, I love, the, I love their intro that they're all in like colonial, like garb in their, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> their intro because they're in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Save for the one episode they did in Jersey. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, <laughs> I have things about that too. I bet you do. I do too. <laughs> so um, the majority of their season is in Philly. Uh, and so what did you think about it? Um, It wasn't the worst season. I mean, but it's like, so full disclosure, me and my guy were, I'm, I'm making him watch Queer Eye from the beginning because he yes. hasn't seen any episodes. Early seasons of Queer Eye were killer. They were the best. Oh, we just finished the first season. As of recording, we finished it's so the first emotional. season. Yeah. And it's so emotional. It's very good. And so we're about to start season two and we'll see what happens, but I, it's, it, it's, Anthony is good in season one. He's not the best. Like he's a little more like, you know, kind of like a golden retriever. <laughs> in, in a little bit. Yes. Um, what, what I do appreciate is like, um, as like Jonathan gets more comfortable and, you know, this was season one was in a pre coming out as non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the choices with wardrobe get more, um, get more comfortable. bold, more mm-hmm. comfortable, more true to authentic to who they are. So mm-hmm. that's something, but again, with this current season, um, definitely highlights. And I thought it was really fun. I mean, I love a gay priest situation. Um, <laughs> yes. But I mean, to be quite honest, I think my favorite episode was the dog groomer. <laughs> You know, I will not fight you on that. And I don't care about animals. Remember, that's not a part of my brand. So, yes. here we go. <laughs> like, I have a very specific brand and animals are not a part of it. So, that is um, true, yes. Yeah, I will say, like, when that episode started, I was like, ew, dogs. But I loved her. And I loved uh-huh. her energy and what she brought to that episode and how grateful she was for the, the whole experience and how she really dove into all of it. Um, yeah, I loved that. I, I also loved the gay priest. I thought he was lovely too. I kind of cared less and less about like, as we got into the season, I felt like I cared less and less about the people. Like, yes, like the meek women who are like, I'm an anxious activist and you know, I'm the doctor and uh, like, who cares? Like, I know. I'm like, no, I need a troubled gay. Give me like a gay on a journey. Mm-hmm. Give me someone shaving a beard. I need like a whole experience. Experience. So exactly. yeah. Exactly. The yeah. woman whose husband has like, you know, I think it's Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. Yes. Like yeah. I'm like, yes, I love that. That was emotional, yeah. That that was emotional. But like, you know, the anxious activists, I I didn't I care. was like I 
was like, oh my god, the the struggle is. Oh my anxiety. god, we hate. Oh my god, do we hate activism? Oh my god. <laughs> the struggle you know. was anxiety. That was. It's like thing. y'all. It's twenty twenty. We all got anxiety. We get it. We're not downplaying yeah. your story, but like, do we need to make television out of it? I don't think so. I mean, like. I'm saying this as someone with anxiety. Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, girl, there's, there is, there is medication for that. There I'm is. saying this as someone who is crippled with anxiety right now. And I'm like, I don't want to see a whole episode about it. That's what I'm thinking. Um, I did also really like um, the season finale, which was Macy Gray's brother. That was Macy Gray's brother? Yes, where he owned the gym and he, like, got rid of his locks and, like, that whole healing journey and uh-huh. how he, like, transformed his gym space and his home space and all that. Yeah. Did I miss that that was Macy Gray's brother? It was, like, a very, like, small blip at the beginning of the episode when they're going through his whole apartment full of crap and they uh, notice that the uh, only clean thing in his house was this, like, silver-plated record or this like gold record on the wall and they were like what's that about and he was like well that's my sister that's macy gray's my sister and so like he apparently had like produced that album and things like that so yeah he had just really gotten very far away from who he was as like a musician and and as a man and so he um yeah, like his whole journey. Remember when he was like afraid of like his hair journey, and so mm-hmm. cutting off his locks was really liberating oh. for him. That was pretty emotional. I did love the. I mean, again, I love the introduction of like black hair care professionals. Yes, mm-hmm. like the loctician who came in and was just a like a couple of times, like Sage and for you know, a couple like, of episodes too. You know, yeah, there was a lot about black hair care, which I really, really loved and appreciated and all of that. Um, did you like how the doctor was married to George Salazar? <laughs> the doctor woman. The, the doctor lady who was like, you find out the end she's pregnant. She's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's her first day of work and her husband, they, and I'm like, oh my God, is that George Salazar? Who's George Salazar? Um, he was um, um, be more chill. He was a Seymour in the Pasadena Playhouse. Um, Is that uh, actually him or no? No, it's not him, but it oh. looks exactly like oh, him. Oh, I'm, okay. like, I'm like, that wasn't him, no? Oh, okay, got it, got it. No. I'm <laughs> like, because George Salazar is gay, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very I'm much. Like- George. Um, but, but like... Yeah, that that woman with the dog and like her family's like supporting her and that I mean like I have to say that she must do a really great job because if 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 I had to take my dog to that bus trailer, uh-huh. she must be doing like magic. And then also like I curiously like peeped her Instagram and like did you too? Don't I did? She just like mouthed the words me too, and me I'm like too. they can't hear you if you whisper that if you just mouth it at. Me. <laughs> you gotta say the words yeah yeah but she, so she's booked like months and months and months out so i think her business has really taken off as a result of this experience and so that was really great but i mean i feel also very much that like just the comfort of knowing that we were going to get the fab five back mm-hmm. you know that like ugh, that they were coming back to us because we needed that experience of again like we're searching for joy here right and yeah. so we just need things that make us feel good. So, um, yeah. So Queer Eye, regardless of whether or not it's like a meh season, it's still worth watching. It's yeah, going to be exactly. Good. Yeah. 
totes. Um, you have the next item on our list. Yeah, so I wanted to bring this up because while this is definitely like black excellence, this is very much like a pride thing. So I've talked about it before on the show. There's this off-Broadway uh, musical called A Strange Loop written by... Um, written by Michael R. Jackson, who it's about a gay black man and, you know, struggling with writing a gospel play to make people to basically kind of quote unquote sell out. Anyway, the reason why it's coming up here is because it won the 2020 Pulitzer prize for drama. And um, do you know the musicals that won the 2020, the Pulitzer prize for drama? Um, Hamilton was one. Hamilton was like the only uh, Sunday in the Park with George, South Pacific. Um, it's very few because the Pulitzer Prize for Trauma usually goes to straight plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a very few musicals that have won it. I think Sunday in the Park, Hamilton, um, South Pacific, and A Chorus Line, I think, were the ones who... I didn't uh, even know that they were because I remember when Hamilton won the Pulitzer for Drama, it was a very big deal because it was like it was a very, very big deal that a musical was being recognized. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wanted to say that I read a bunch of stuff like it was the first. It was, well, and that's the thing is that like, I mean, I'm a, the trivia brain in me, right? So it's just like, I looked it up and it's very limited. And just also being, being able to like celebrate that. So the lead in that, his name's Larry Owens and he's a gay black comedian and he being seeing him like celebrated on Instagram was just a beautiful expression nice. of like queerness. He accepted his uh, Lucille Lotel award for best actor in musical. And he did a song <laughs> and Yay. it was great. So yeah. It. So again, like I, nice. I think that it's important to like highlight not only a very, like it's a very specific story, but it was like the most innovative thing of like the last year in theater. And was so, that on Broadway or off? Mm-mm, it was off. It was off. It, it never off. made it to Broadway. Yeah, exactly. Never made it to Broadway. And a lot of people said it would never make it to to Broadway um, mm-hmm. because it calls out people in Broadway. There's like exactly. a line about, there's a really unflattering line about Scott Rudin in it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, wow. But yeah. That's great. And also the Pulitzer comes with a, a cash prize. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big deal also to give it to a, an off-Broadway production, because off-Broadway mm-hmm. is not where you make your money. Off-Broadway, you're making, like, 400 bucks a week or something like that, you know? So so to be given that kind of monetary gift also will really amplify and elevate uh, the voices of, of those kinds of stories. And so, um, so that's such a gift. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, of course. Yeah. Have you been to following... Um, all Stars season five. Oh, you mean the season of Conflama? What's <laughs> of conflict, and dra- Co- conflict and drama. Conflama. Conflama. <laughs> uh, we're of course talking about RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars season five. Conflama. Was that something they talked about on the show? It's not on this season, but it is a. It's from the Drag Race world. It's like you it's feel like, like this season is full of conflict and drama. Yeah, at least they're trying to. Like, I feel like it's real forced. I feel like they're trying to make it. No, exactly. Yeah. It's so forced because, like, the 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 regular season that we just had was, like, really great. Like, they mm-hmm. pretty much all, like, for the most part, they got along. Whenever it was manufactured, you could tell. But, like, um, 
and everyone was really talented and it was like one of the strongest, if not the best season of drag race we had in a while. Mm -hmm. And then to bring back the girls from the older seasons and immediately start out with like Derek Barry versus India Farah. It's like, who? (laughs) I know. Well, I want to, I want to just talk about Derek Barry for a second real quick because Derek Barry came back onto the show having learned nothing. Apparently. I mean, not a goddamn thing. And Derek no. Barry came on, like, still in full Britney and still being like, oh, but I'm going to show them everything that I do that's not Britney. And then proceeded to show us nothing but Britney. And wasn't he out on, like, the first episode? He was out on the first episode because yeah. of his, he did he did impressions. Oh, like, God, and they were so bad, member. Like, oh, my God, so they were if, painful. If you're going to do impressions, you better be fucking good at impressions. Like, yeah. It was it was painful to watch. And like, it was he not called cute. them out before he did them, and it's like, no, like, no. no, that is not your gift, friend. No, mm-hmm. no. Um, I am here for Alexis Mateo. Yes, I know villain. that. Like, I feel like she is at the center of all of this manufactured conflict, but I'm here for it. I don't even care. And so I'm like, yes. I'm like, yes, Alexis Mateo, yes. Like, I just love that she's like unapologetically who she is. She's like, I look fucking sickening. Like, I love her. She's the best. So I love her. I'm here for her and Juju B and I think Shay are gonna be my top three. Um, I <laughs> I I don't know why I'm here for her, but like, and she's not in my top three, but Blair Sinclair's whole like storyline <laughs> is, is like <laughs> It's, like, from, like, demure 50s to, like, you know, this, like, sex pot. Like. She is fucking gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And she has come back with, like, a dude. Like, she is. But, like, also come back with, like, so much personality. Mm-hmm. And a lot more confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think her growth there has really shown. But I'm here for the veterans. Like, I'm here for the OGs. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Me, with the exception of. Like- Shay, who's like not that veteran, but like really pulling a strong game right now. Like, I'm here for Juju B, like always and forever. Love her. Yeah, Juju B is gonna be my like. Juju B needs to make it all the way. Like, oh god, yeah, yeah. Um, Juju B needs to make it. Also, here for the lip sync assassin. For goodness' sake! Oh my god, yes, I love, love, love. Um, and Evie Oddly gave like the first lip sync assassin and just crushed the house down. Like, it's pretty phenomenal. It was mm-hmm. really, really great. Who else were the, the assassins that we've seen so far? Um, Alyssa Edwards. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Oh my god, Monet Exchange. Mm-hmm. And then Morgan McMichaels came back. Morgan, oh my god! And the thing is, like they like they have a lot of time to prepare for the lip yeah. sync. Like that's all they're there to do. Um, mm-hmm. And especially like oh, and like Shay to beat Alyssa Edwards. Like come on, okay, right? Um, yeah, I'm here for it. That's little, what made me think like okay, maybe she could do it. I don't know. I'm kind of over cracker. Oh, Cracker. No, girl. Cracker needs to go home. Cracker yeah, I kind of don't care about her. Also, India. India Farah needs to go home. Cracker needs to go home. I'm not here for either of them. India, I'm, I'm like a little bored with about India. Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. May she rest. May she rest. Because I, I love, I mean, she's one of like our she's LA great. San Diego queens, and I miss her. Yeah, um, she was sent home pretty recently. Yeah. 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 She's good. She was strong too. But yeah, India Farah is like 
I feel like she's boring. Like she can turn a look. That's but, it. But she's boring. Like personality wise, she started real strong and she's just been fading since. So I think she's next to go. Yeah. And I think we match on the top three. I think that's a very solid top we do? three. <gasps> Art time quarantiners. You'll be pleased to know that Joe and I are still friends. Because they're three finalists too. Yeah. Like they're three people who were finalists in their seasons and it could yeah. have been any yeah. of them. But yeah. We are united on this front. Mm-hmm. We stand strong together. <laughs> we are stronger we are together. together yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, I'm here for it. So stay tuned. Obviously, next month we're gonna talk about how that season all finishes out. And speaking of out. Uh yeah, so Disney released um, Disney Pixar, I should say, released a, um, a short film, animated short, um, on Disney Plus called Out. And what it's, what the, the premise is that it's a, um, it's a young man who is moving out of his current home and into a new place with his boyfriend, but his parents don't know he's gay. And through the magic of Disney and body swapping with a dog, um, Mm. he finds a way to come out uh, to his parents. And it's just delicious. And it's so much fun. And it's very, like, honest. And I (laughs) I was like, I think I got a text from my friend, uh, from one of my friends. And it was like, you're in an interracial gay relationship. You need to watch this, too. (laughs) Yay. And it's really sweet, and I've watched it a couple times already. And um, and what's really cool is that I think it was also done because it's at the very end. There's this logo for what I'm assuming is like the LGBT group within Pixar, like mm. it's the out animators or people of Pixar. Cool. And I think it was they were part of the reasons why they did it. That's um, great. You know, it's like, I mean, who, what, what gay with a pet can't relate to like their dog and all that stuff. So, and it's beautiful because it talks about like, you know, it's like that feeling when you push people away because you don't want them to know uh, you're not ready to show them who you are yet, or you're afraid of like whatever that potential ramifications might be. And all they want to do is be close to you. So Mm. recommend layered, super Mm. layered. Love that. Um, can we talk about, we're going to talk about um, the preview that is out, or is the movie itself out, for a film called, <laughs> yeah, who cares, but it's called Jenny's Wedding, and this is some bullshit starring Katherine Heigl. Now, <laughs> Katherine Heigl of Grey's Anatomy fame, and then every like chick flick immediately following thereafter, uh, she had a run of it. She had a couple of good chick flicks in there and then kind of disappeared for a minute. So she came back with a real tone deaf <laughs> um, movie playing a gay woman who is looking to get married again. Cause Catherine Heigl can only do movies about movies getting, getting married. married and that being the ultimate happiness. And so, so Catherine Heigl apparently is engaged to Alexis Bledel, who should also know better than to do a movie like this. Who, who did um, fucking Handmaid's Tale with yeah. an actual lesbian, yeah. like, where she also played a lesbian. Like, come on, girl. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's a lot of problematic things here. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Um, and granted, y'all, we saw the trailer. Like, yeah, <laughs> only the, only the trailer. And from this trailer, I was like, "The fuck!" The no, actual is this, fuck. The, is this the LGBT version of Green Book? <laughs> um, it is the gay Green Book, guys. The gay green book, everybody. And we only um, saw the preview on this preview alone. It is the gay green book. Yes. So, what did I think? I thought, wow, we're still telling this story. I mean, yes, it's still happening, right? But, like, mm -hmm. did we. And also, it's like two. There's like in the preview, there's a conversation about, like, you know, who's going to wear the dress? And it's like, uh, gender roles. Yeah. Uh, there's so much archaic language in there, which granted a lot of LGBT families are still stuck in archaic language that they know. But honestly, I feel like in 2020, we have a responsibility to be telling stories that are beyond the yeah. struggle of, of that. At the very least, let's get some gay, let's get some gay people up in there. Can we actually I mean, get lesbians to tell that story, please? Yeah. At, at the very least that's uh, that's like and and again we don't know anything about the writers we don't know anything about the crew we don't know if this is like a transparent situation where like you know the main person is a cis man playing a transgender woman but all the crew and all the creative team is get we don't know any of this mm -hmm. what we do know is that it stinks to high heaven as the gay green book mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah yeah, and it's just like, and it's also, it's two femmes, like, it's two femme-presenting women who are both going to wear dresses, like, it's, uh, it's, like, completely, I, I don't know, because, like, that's what's palatable, right? Like, we can't yeah. have two, like, you know, mask-presenting women, we can't have two, um, uh, we can't have any of that, so it's, like, why? But, mm -hmm. again, we don't know, if you watch it, um, let us know if we're wrong, uh, I have a feeling we're not, though. <laughs> I, I feel like our in, initial gut reaction to watching something like that is correct. Like, yeah. I we're not turned on by seeing something like that. We're not intrigued about seeing a story like that. I'm sure maybe somewhere in medical, middle America, and maybe that's a gross generalization of me to make, but for me to make, but... Um, uh, maybe somewhere in the world, someone needs to hear that story today in present day, but we don't. <laughs> and, and in fact, it seems really um, counterproductive. And it almost mm -hmm. seems like we're taking several steps backwards by endorsing films like that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of, and I had forgotten to put this on our list. So I just kind of did a quick ad because you brought up um, uh, Transparent. Um, Netflix released a documentary called Disclosure, um, mm -hmm. which is about the trans story, you know, of trans Hollywood and trans women and men uh, who have been a part of the conversation since the beginning of cinema, really, mm -hmm. um, and kind of the narratives there and how when you take someone who doesn't identify in that community, right? Like when you're taking a, a white cis straight actor and putting them into a world and into a story where they are playing a gay or straight or, or gay actor or, or a trans actor. Um, 
like if you're inserting yourself into a story, then you're not being honest about that story and or that experience. And and so Disclosure was such a beautiful, eye-opening documentary because it's discussed from all of the angles about all of the tropes of, um, you know, seeing cross-dressing and how... Um, how black comedian, black male comedians, um, you know, is a sign of kind of like, um, like a rite of passage. You have to kind of appear in drag at some point in time or like mm-hmm. putting on a dress. So even like mocking that experience and like, um, it's just like even the, the end of Ace Ventura where he finds out he kissed a man and he's like vomiting so profusely. And there's oh, so God. much, you know, like the, the media narrative of, of what it means when we see, um, trans men or trans women, or we discover, their trans story and what the media has told us we need to behave like, um, has been, it was just a really beautifully crafted documentary. Did you, did you see that? It's my homework. Um, yeah. you're like the third person in the last 48 hours that's told me about disclosure. And, we, and so, yeah, it's something it's that homework. I literally just watched like yesterday. So it's fresh on the brain right now, but every trans artist that you can think of really is a part of this film. And it's very, it's told in a really like layered and in-depth look at the trans experience, not just in Hollywood, but in media across the board. And like the history of that, even from, um, uh, who did birth of a nation? WB. WD Griffith. Yeah. Like his first films, had like featured cross-dressing men and like featured trans people in it. And so like the very, very beginning of cinema made a joke of gender. Mm-hmm. So like, if that's what we're going on, right. Then that's like what the trans person is up against today. And so um, it was just a really important documentary to be watching, especially during the pride conversation. So highly, highly recommend. Awesome. Yeah. Um. You have had some <laughs> some interesting. This is a completely awful uh, segue yes. into our next segment. But talk to us about game shows, Joe. <laughs> so first, I don't know who is. I don't know who um, decided this at the Celebrity Family Feud creative team. <laughs> But they had their weekly episodes. They had, I, I just watched all of the ones for June and they all had some sort of like gay bent. So the very first one, which was in the news and people were really excited for it. It was Celebrity Family Feud, um, Queer Eye OG versus Queer Eye New Cast. What? I didn't see that. Oh yeah, girl. Wait, were all five OGs back? All five OGs. Shut up. Um, I don't know when they filmed this, but it might have been during uh, Dancing with the Stars. So maybe Karamo was not there because they brought back, I forget what his name is, but he's the he's the bodybuilder who they made his apartment wheelchair accessible, I believe, in season two. Oh, got it, got it, got yeah. it. The one where he like he's like, I, I forgave the person who shot me, that guy. Got it. Also, Dancing with the Stars. Oh, remember Glitter Sports? Oh, I miss oh. it. All right, thanks. Continue. So, um, Karamo's not there, but all five of them are. And it is, like, Steve Harvey, you can tell that he's, like, 
walking through a minefield. <laughs> Yo, serious. Oh my God. I mean, like, he's never, he's not disrespectful, but he is definitely like, you know, not in like, his element. He is not in his element. Um, everything with Carson Cressley is amazing. Um, <laughs> And you also, like, it also kind of revealed, what was interesting is that, like, it revealed how much, how, like, gendered the show is. We asked a hundred women some very heteronormative question. Yeah. And then, like, you know, and then it's like, wow, you couldn't, like, turn that on its head for the gay show for, like, these two, you know... And and Jay Rodriguez actually brought up a good point. He's like, I just want to thank you because, like, I never, like, this is, like, we're all one big family. Even though we're two separate casts, we're one big family in, you know, LGBT community, in just in doing this show together. And so, like, and I don't know if I've ever seen a family like this on television. So thank he, like, thanked him for that. I'm like, oh, thanks, Jay. Thank you, Jay. That's great. But like Cayenne was back, like all of them. They were just looking like your gay uncles, your gay dads, and I'm here for it. Cayenne, um, uh, spray delay and walk away. Yes, spray delay. I, oh my god. Uh, he I mentioned, am here for Cayenne, always. Jonathan brings that back in season one uh, he does, with Cologne. I know. And when I was watching it with uh, my guy, he my special learned it from Cayenne. Yeah. He, he he started cracking up and I was like, You've never heard that before? And he's like, No, and I'm like, Yeah, you like spray delay like delay. I like like my cousin, my straight cousin, like showed me like he learned that from queer. He learned that from Cayenne and the original yeah. queer eye for the straight guy. Oh god. Hence so, branded as queer eye. So that was the first that's the first episode. The second episode is <laughs> <laughs> it is um, Andy Cohen and his like radio Andy cast member, like you know everyone knew who does his uh, radio versus the Wheel Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> I heard about that. Yes, and like Lisa Rinna and you know <laughs> everyone's back. Uh, Dorit, who like you know Steve Harvey to pronounce Dorit was a very fun. I don't know any time. of them. Yeah, I mean I know who Lisa Rinna is, but. And then yeah. you have the one that was hilarious. It was RuPaul's Drag Race versus The Bold Type, which is a, a freeform show, which it's like RuPaul's Drag Race. Ru, Michelle, Carson, Cressley's back. And then the rounding out their cast was Latrice and Raven in full drag. Shut up. What mm. channel is this on? This is on, oh, is it on ABC? It's on you. I know you got Hulu. It's on Hulu. Just type okay. in Celebrity Family Feud. All right. I'm getting that. into it because I need to. I'm going to go. I'm going to do the whole shebang. Oh, my God. It's, it's so good. There's like, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, I love this. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of, yes, I know you have Hulu. I have currently, I have every streaming service. There ever was in the history of access because I need to be able to watch anything I need at the drop of a dime oh my as God, long I as we're up. sheltered in place. I am. I'm going to get Peacock. Like, I'm what is be Peacock? Peacock is the is NBC's upcoming streaming service because it's going to have like. It's going to have all the episodes of Mad About You, which I like. Um, I can't wait for. And the, and the reboot. Like, they rebooted and they're um, bringing the button back. So, 
Um, let me get it and then I'll let you know. <laughs> let me know how that goes. Because I'm like, do I need to spend more money though? See, here's the thing. I canceled cable. Because I thought I was like doing a good thing, right? I was like, I'm going to get rid of cable. I'll just have I'm Hulu. Gonna cut that cord. I'm going to cut the cord. But then I realized I had Hulu and I also had Prime. And then I had added HBO to my Prime. And then I like I had all of these services like before I knew it, right? And then I was like, man, now we're quarantined. We're sheltered in place. And so I want YouTube TV. And so now I'm Disney paying. Plus, yeah. I, yeah. Like I have now... Like, like I'm now spending more than I did when I just had cable. <laughs> Whatever, I'm accepting this. We're moving on. It's okay. Um, this is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but what really was the like the true gay triumph of game shows yeah, was yeah. how in the last month I've auditioned for two. <laughs> I am dying over this. Please share with our quarantiners of sevens. Your game show experience. I'm sure. So the the one was the most recent one. I cannot talk about because they're still casting. So Hollywood, Hollywood, you know, Hollywood. (gasps) Um, But the one I can't talk about because I didn't get it um, was Jeopardy. Now, last year, we talked about taking the online test for Jeopardy, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I took the online test again. Uh, quite recently, after you had told me about your audition, I took the online mm-hmm. test again and bombed it for show because I was like doing a thousand other things and I was just not focused, nor was I like remembering anything in the mm-hmm. moment because your mm-hmm. brain really does like freeze up, you yeah. know? So I bombed this at home test, but this was a big thing we talked about last year. So you took the at home test again I and then the they called you. Test. How did that work? Yeah, so I took the at-home test, and then I got an email saying, hey, we'd like to do, we'd like to set up the in-person audition, but again, this is during the quarantine time, so they um, they were like, we're going to do it via, like, Zoom, and this is what you should do, and blah, 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 and so uh, basically the first thing that we did was take the test, so you take another test, and um, then if they decide that they then they will do like potentially do an interview. Now what they don't tell you again, is that like they because it's like right there in the moment, I'm pretty sure that they had my score and I kind of knew that things were not going to, I kind of knew that I didn't do well in the test. So mm-hmm. it was just like, thank you. We'll give you a call. Bye. And I'm like, uh, okay. Because I actually had another friend, close friend who, who did it. And he got an interview. Like, he was, like, they started asking him questions, like, what he would do with the money and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, I think you're in. Because he definitely passed all those questions. Ooh. Um, did they tell you to wear pants for your interview? They Being did that it was not. Zoom, that was your other experience no that my other experience was like they told me that they might have me stand up and they needed and that was their like nice way of saying please wear pants (laughs) Uh, language for we understand you're sheltered in place and probably not wearing pants and you should be wearing pants but what's so interesting right is that like the shows are getting the green light to start casting to like do mm-hmm. casting again, but they're really uncertain about like when production will start mm-hmm. and what it's going to look like. And, mm-hmm. you know, with game shows, especially with the amounts of money that these game shows potentially could be giving away, you really have no idea if, 
like you really can't do it at home because how are you going to prevent the cheating, right? How mm-hmm. are you going to prevent like a quiz show type situation? So we'll see what happens. Um, as soon as I can talk about it, I'll let you know. But who knows at this point when we're going to have like real live game shows again. Yeah. Uh, Jeopardy has run out of live, live episodes now or oh, recent yeah. new episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're just back ordering, like they're, they're playing back episodes now. Yeah. And like, I feel like there's definitely ways that you can do it. I mean, like you just don't have, you don't have a studio audience. That's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. There's ways that you can make it happen. It's just a matter of like, also everyone behind the camera, right? It's like mm-hmm. those people need to actually be in like a relative close proximity to each other. So mm-hmm. how do you do all that? So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, cool. But I'm excited and I'll let you know, folks. Um, I am so excited for you. I love that yeah. so much. That's so cool. Um, this is a little bit of an out of character moment thing that on our list. Um this was part of Josephine's homework, and I don't believe he did it, but did you watch Insecure or no? Oh, no. No, I didn't. Did so, Josephine is failing my class, but <laughs> I might give him a passing grade if he watches Goonies and The Princess Bride with me. So, or when he does. Uh, when, yes, that is when, a promise, not a threat. That's a promise. That is, no, <laughs> that's a guarantee when that happens. Um, but... He was going to watch Insecure eventually. Um, and Yvonne Orji had um, a HBO special called Mama, I Made It, which was, the, like, I feel like it was advertised to the high heavens. Um, okay. And it kind of was released right, like, towards the beginning of June. So it was kind of at the height of um, Black Lives Matter and a lot of the... Um, the tension that was happening in America. And she released a statement saying like, listen, this is my resistance. Like an act of black joy is resistance, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so true. Like her, her show was all joy and it was all uh, about her story growing up in uh, both Africa and uh, and the States. And so coming from a Nigerian family and going back. And so she takes like a film crew back with her and kind of like shares some experience from her roots and like where she came from. And then like kind of cuts to LA. And then um, I, I believe she filmed it in DC where she grew up. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. don't quote me on that. But um, the whole special was just fire. Like it was so fun and just really like beautifully paced and like really fun energy. And she just so hot, like hot as hell. Like it was such a good, good, good special. So especially because I know that was a big goal of yours for last year to kind of like get into the stand up and like see comedians and, and all that stuff. Like, um, I cannot wait. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love a black comedian. I especially love black female comedians from Nigeria. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a few of them. Um, uh, Gina Yashere is another, uh, well, she's, she's British, but, um, her parents are from Nigeria. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm here for this. Yeah, be there for that because it was great. It was fantastic. And what's funny is like on Insecure, she plays Molly, who is Issa Rae's best friend on the show. And so it, we can get into the dynamics of Insecure once you watch it um, because her special is so like getting to learn who she is juxtaposed against this character that she's known for, like mm-hmm. the Molly of the friendship is uh, 
is really fun. So her special was just really, really great. So I encourage it. Um, You and I have both watched, or I've seen a few episodes of Padma Taste the Nation. Yes. Taste the Nation. Padma Lakshmi. I sure did. Oh my goodness. I've only seen like three episodes or something. It's, it's, I really like what she's doing and it's like a way to be, it's a way to put things in a political context, in a political historical context. And it is, um, it's also just like, yeah, the food of America is immigrant food. Like this is when, when people say like new, uh, when they say like, you know, this is new American or whatever that means. It's like, what does it mean? It's food from other places. Um, Mm -hmm. And like there's a really great conversation about assimilation and what does that mean? And like assimilation due to persecution and how it helped the Germans because they were white. Like it's um, yeah. And also Padma just doesn't give a fuck. Like she, she just says whatever she wants. She does. But I love that. Like she travels to specific regions of the country and explores the food there. So she was at, El Paso, Texas, Mm -hmm. exploring food at the border there between the two regions of Mexico, between Juarez and and El Paso. And so like literally exploring like the the food at the border there, like the burritos and and things like that. Um, And then kind of going to Milwaukee to talk about hot dogs and, you know, like it's just like exploring literally the foods of the regions Mm-hmm. And the immigrant cultures that live in those regions is really exciting. But the the episode that I definitely want to highlight is when she goes to a Navajo reservation. Mm-hmm. And I haven't talks, seen that one yet. Oh, it's great. Cause the, the first, all you need to know is that when she goes there, she's like, I was really, it was important to me in doing this show. That's about immigrant food to also talk about the food of the original Americans. Like Native this. Food, yeah. yeah, exactly. This is American food. Um, and to Native talk about food, yeah. uh, talk about um, food sovereignty and sovereignty in general, um, yeah, it's great. She eats rats. It's it's delicious. Like that's dope. Yeah, I yeah. love. She's a fearless eater too. Yes, she totally is. And she um, talks about her daughter's relationship to food and how she wants her daughter to be more connected to Indian food. Um, so it's just yeah, food is a great unifier culturally mm-hmm. and also you know there's so much story there so of course yeah. it's going to make for good television which is why we watch so many damn cooking shows oh goodness um uh i watched a thing okay a thing just one <laughs> um i watched um on disney plus i watched into the unknown, which is a six episode series of the making of frozen two. Um, now I appreciate frozen and frozen two. And I think that they are beautiful films, but it is not part of my brand to be like a Disney (laughs) fanatic. (laughs) As Joe will point out to you camping and animals and Disney, not my brand. Um, but I do appreciate Frozen, I thought it was a beautiful movie, and Frozen 2 is a beautiful movie. So Into the Unknown uh, is a six-episode series, docu-series, about the year prior to the the release of the film. Um, and you, it's so fascinating to me that, like, a year out, nine months out, six months out, 
so much of the animation is still not finished. Mm -hmm. And so like just the timeline of that seemed so um, condensed into that very last minute crunch time period. And some really major story decisions weren't made until the very last minute, you know, like last minute song choices and, um, and just the whole like, uh, like that whole, like wondering what, like, <laughs> like, what is that voice? Is it like her mother? Is it a myth? Is it a thing? Like what, it, like, what was it? Like, they didn't like concretely make that decision until like a few months out. Um, and then that of course influences like the songwriting, which influences the animation, which influences mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. And to see like how consistently over the period of three to four years, those voice actors need to keep showing up and keep going back in to record and re-record and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. It was just a really fascinating insight into the process. And that is something that I, I thought was really cool. So if you are someone or if you have a kid who's like really into the process of how things are made and the animation process, like it was a really beautifully done series. So check that out. All right. Um, I just, I can't hear that because the first month of quarantine, when my window was open, kids in the neighborhood at around like five o'clock would go. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's yeah, real. It's very, yeah. very real. Yeah. Yeah. Disney will do that to you and give you like the earworm that like sticks with you for like a whole freaking week. It's, yeah. I mean, and, and also like, let's talk about like, <laughs> let's talk about like, uh, Frozen 2 is like, you know, Anna finds out that like her ancestor fucked over a bunch of like indigenous people and basically mm-hmm. like destroyed the dam in order to like create some sort of like restorative justice. <laughs> like it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's super layered. It also gets into like mental health and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, it goes very deep. And that was part of the series also was how they, the movie read it, it tested really well with adults, but kids found some of it confusing um, because a lot of frozen two is, is visibly more grown up, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And like the people who were the audience for frozen one, like the film grew up with them. And so um, yeah, the issues are there. They were like unapologetic about bringing that up. The whole song, the next right thing is all about Anna coming out of anxiety and depression and, and just moving through it and just getting through really difficult things. And it's so deep. It's so deep. And I'm totally going against my brand right now, (laughs) (laughs) but I did enjoy it. Um, so there are some pretty big movie delays. Speaking of Disney, the live action Mulan, uh, Famulan. <laughs> Famulan. Uh, Famulan. In the Heights. In the Heights is going to be a big summer release, and that got pushed a year out also. So did Tenant. What is mm-hmm. Tenant? Do we know what that is? Uh, Tenant is about, we don't know, because it's one of those like one-word Christopher Nolan movies. Um, it, it messes with time. Um, the Tenant delay is very surprising because um, in the most recent issue... Uh, of um, uh, Entertainment Weekly, they talk about how Tenant is still trying to save the future of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when I received it two days later, Tenant moves back. <laughs> it pushed like, it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I feel like that is the film that everybody's watching for the timeline of when we can really mm-hmm. reopen. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so that got pushed. Mulan keeps getting pushed. In the Heights got pushed a whole year. 
uh, to next summer. Um, and there are, you know, this is it. Like we're in a very, very big hurry up and wait game. Um, as far as the state of the industry, the movie industry, the theater industry, everything is on hold right now. So artists are, are patiently waiting for work, but also it's not just actors. It's not just directors. It is the people who put the word on a page. It's the people who are costumers and dressers and the people who are producers and showrunners and, um, and every level of production is out of work right now. So, um, and even like marketing and the education departments of theaters and movies and like, there's so much work that is tied into the industry entertainment industry right now uh-huh. that it's it's very easy for people to be like oh i can't go see a broadway show right now oh that sucks but also it's like yeah it sucks for us as audience members a hundred percent yes but also yeah. for like my woe is me i can't see that show i wanted to see there is a hundred people that are out of work you know mm-hmm. so it's affecting families upon families upon families who are um you know this is their source of income and and it is hard. I personally I had tickets to see The Music Man at Christmas with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. Mm-hmm. And that uh, production got bumped obviously. Broadway has made the announcement that they are not opening until 2021 until January of 2021. I think that even that's going to be an early date that's going to get oh, pushed yeah. again. Um so I got this email saying, oh, your tickets have been moved to July 28th at 8 p.m. And I'm like, I won't be in New York then. Okay, great. Um, so I'm going to get those tickets refunded. Um, but but a lot of this is that. It's having a little bit of grace and being patient and waiting. But, you know, we're, we're pretty soon we're going to start to see original content kind of dying out a little bit, you know? Yeah, we're going to, we're, we're headed for the drought. We're headed for the drought. If, if, um, if it's not figured out how these crews, especially with television, if it's not figured out how people can return safely, um, I believe there was an article in the Hollywood reporter that was like, um, production for the new season of Pose was paused in be- because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And now when you're thinking about going back to going back to, uh, uh, to do the, the production again, what does that look like? Are we going to not have ballroom scenes now in Pose? Are we not going to have um, like the any more love scenes? And which like you know is kind of, I mean, love especially specifically with Pose, which is like groundbreaking, uh, showing a mainstream viewing audience like black love, queer love, you know, all, um, all of it on screen, like that's a big deal to not, to have, to not have that. So we're, we're bracing ourselves for a drought. People are finding interesting ways to make it work, but, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to like, you know, it's, it's just one of the few things that's, it's one of the many things that are being affected by this whole situation. Yeah. Very, very much so. And so artists, while we are resilient, are grieving a mm-hmm. lot right now. And there's a lot of grief and a lot of loss that is being processed and we're moving through it. But um, art and storytelling has has 
existed and stood the test of time through plagues, through wars, through centuries from the beginning of time. And so we will 100% make it through this current modern day plague we are experiencing. Um, you know, and, and it's definitely going to look different on the other side of this. So, so resilience, fellows, fellow yeah, artists. People, uh, people will find ways to make this, people will find a way to make it work. And yeah. again, like if we're going to, let's, let's kind of bring it back to the, to the national conversation that we're having about white supremacy. Like this is a good way to kind of reset the button while everybody is, you know, not working. They can really focus on what it's going to look like when they, when we do open up, but we'll talk about that in a future episode. We sure will. When we address black art, when we address black lives matter, when we amplify melanated voices, hundred percent. And until then, Joe is going to talk to us about what he watched with his parents. Um, (laughs) The people who made me watching with parents. Thank you, Wendy. Um, (laughs) So I have been, I took it upon myself as one of like, uh, my parents are not like, my parents are not like, they're not like super conservative bigots or anything like that. Um, So I've been really watching with my mom a bunch of films that like are on all of the lists that you see on Instagram and on Facebook regarding like movies to watch to like help you know, to be anti-racist or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I chose to not go the documentary route because I feel like if I go the story route, that's actually better. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we can do documentaries if we want to really dive deep. So I've actually um, shown, (laughs) I've shown my mom the following movies. Um, Mm -hmm. American Son, which was a, which was a gut punch if I told you anything. it was I saw that show on Broadway two years ago and uh, I, I said it then I was like everyone needs to see this so and American Sun and we had a really great conversation about like you know what it means to like yeah he shouldn't have had that sticker on uh, that bumper sticker but you know it's also the police's responsibility not to shoot someone like you know so mm-hmm. talking about police violence in that way and mm-hmm. the internalized fear especially from you know having and you know all of that stuff so yeah then i saw i made her watch get out i didn't tell her it was horror specifically because i knew she would have not watched it but i just said it's a good movie <laughs> and how did she so, respond to it um, she was, uh, I mean, she watched Invisible Man, uh, with yeah. Elizabeth Moss. So yeah, I'm, I was like, you can, t- if you can take Invisible Man, you could take it out. Mm-hmm. And I think she really liked it. Um, the last five minutes is really all I wanted to show her. And then we actually watched the deleted scene of the original ending for Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, really great conversations there. And then my parents both watched Black Klansmen. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, Black Klansmen, the main reason why I knew they would like it is because the music, because it's of that time, they're from that time period. Um, and they were like singing along with it. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Um, but, you know, again, it's just like, it's those, it's very hard to to kind of see those images and people being mm-hmm. such, like, such overt racism and... Yeah. So of the Black Klansman, which is a Spike Lee joint that he very famously uh-huh. won his first competitive Oscar for, um, uh-huh. he, for screenwriting. He um, he also just recently released The Five Bloods uh-huh. on Netflix, which is about uh-huh. five um, Black Vietnam veterans going returning to Vietnam. So that was super layered with the Black experience in Vietnam and um, 
uh, PTSD and the story of, of, you know, how we treated our, our black soldiers and how they were, you know, treated upon returning to the country. Um, so yeah, Mm -hmm. that's worth a watch also. Yeah. So like along those lines, right. We haven't watched the five bloods yet, but like along those lines, like that, their area, their time period that they remember is definitely like the Vietnam era. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I'm adding to the list right now is we watch the post, Mm. Uh (laughs) with Meryl and Tom sure Um, and then that sent them on like a week and a half of like wanting to watch movies about that particular time period so we watched The Post and 13 Days which is about the Cuban Missile Crisis yeah and they wanted they want to watch All the President's Men and we watched uh, Let's Parkland. get into the takedown of Nixon. Go ahead. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, we watched Parkland, which is a film that's about Kennedy's assassination, mm-hmm. but told from the perspective of like all the people around it, like yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald's brother and Abraham yeah. Zapruder of the Zapruder film. So, damn. yes. Damn, um, damn, damn. There's also on my list, there's um, there's a Bobby Kennedy miniseries on Netflix. Mm. Uh, a four-part episode a four-part docuseries on bobby kennedy's story that i'm really interested in watching that's been on my list for a while so i'll let you know um yeah that's a good list for moms and pops my mom i was talking to her about the five bloods and she was like that's about vietnam right and i was like yeah <laughs> and that's, like for my parents that's a really difficult Thing for them to to kind of dive into because they lived through it, you know. Yeah. Um, my dad watched all of his friends being drafted, et cetera, et cetera, and so it's like, um, yeah, it's it's not a happy time for them to to relive via cinema. I remember like seeing Forrest Gump with them in the theaters, and my mom not oh, knowing no. that like so much of it was about Vietnam, and she was like really gutted by it. So. Yeah. yeah, my my parents are both like on the younger ends of their families. So uh-huh. during Vietnam, they like they weren't well, you know, my dad was definitely not in danger of being conscripted, but um the the thing about Guam during the Vietnam era is that per cap if you look at all of the 50 states and territories per capita, Guam gave the most troops. Mm-hmm. So there was per capita. So I mean, um and so there's a whole thing about like, and also proximity where like Guam's right there next to Vietnam. So we, there's a huge um, veteran community that specifically like bonded over Vietnam. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so that's, um, I, <laughs> I was going to say like, it's like, it's <laughs> nothing. I'm not going to say it. It's too much. <laughs> okay. Were you going to cross the line there? I knew I didn't want to potentially cross a line. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I like I'll that you have a healthy right. fear of me. Okay. I like that you have a healthy fear of me. I mean, I just, I don't want, I, I don't want your uncle Joe Pesci to come and like, give me. No! You, know, <laughs> you cut it with that racist bullshit. Stop it. Ooh. Good Lord. <laughs> hey, your Italian stereotypes and tropes. Yeah. Oh, it's so real though. I know. Um, Let's talk. <laughs> like I can't even be mad at it because it's you know it's kind of real. Um, yeah. Let's talk about uh, homework just real quick. Did you do any homework from last month to this month? I watched Shrill. Ah, and your thoughts on season two? 
Um, again, I love, and I love, like, I, a, a Nigerian woman. Like, yeah. everything with, um, what was her name? Everything Wally. with, yes, and just, like, it was so good. Fran, right? The Fran is Fran her name? Fran is her name, yeah. Lolly yeah. the actor name, yeah. Yeah, everything with Fran was so good, and that like the wedding. And I'm just like, I also love so drama good. at a wedding. Okay, like, right? I know. Uh, it yeah, had ego. Great. It had ego Wodum in it, which like who mm-hmm. is like Nigerian American, yeah. and like, oh man, it was it was great, and like you're not a doctor and all that stuff, and I feel like you know anyone who has like who, who that's like a quote unquote immigrant thing, right? But like it's the idea of like the queerness and all that stuff layered into it too. Um, I love the comeuppance we finally get with the fucking boyfriend, like yeah. just how yeah. that all comes to head. Um, yeah. I kind of love the turn with uh, John Cameron Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were so right about like the, how interesting it is with um, Patty Harrison's character. Um, mm-hmm. The, assistant who like yeah Yeah. (laughs) yes yeah so like some of like the best lines of the whole season so good and i may or may not like music also was this music in the season was very good and i want to call uh want to call attention to the i had to download the song it was um where uh, the comedian Peter Smith, he's at that, uh, they're at that open mic and they sing uh, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, but it's like very, yes. like. It's so beautifully done, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's I'm- just like a pleading song, but it's like when you listen to how he did it or how they did it with, um, I'm sorry, uh, Peter Smith identifies as they, them there, I apologize. Uh, the, how they did it and how, um, and how like the words like really informed it. It's like when you listen to an acoustic version of take on me by aha, mm-hmm. it's like, it really like, Oh wow. This is what that song is about, but yeah. we've never heard it that way before. Yeah. 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 Oh God. What I love about that show and specifically season two is that it's so honest and funny, mm-hmm. but so raw and emotional too, and so honest to everyone's experience as a larger bodied person, as a person of color, as a queer person. Like there's so many, um, there's so many narratives being told so honestly that I, it's so. As a woman in the workplace, um, the, all the, like, uh, (laughs) women are having a moment conference, like that whole thing. That shit, right? Oh my God. I know. And even the moment, like, where she was, like, doesn't the season start where her boyfriend's trying to go down on her, like, in the woods, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And uh-huh. then later she tells Fran, like, he went down on my two-day puss. And I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, that is so real. <laughs> that is yeah. so real. Like, you know what? That's love. That's, that's love. That's nasty. And that's love, yeah. But sometimes yeah, love is. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, it's not meant to be clean, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> it was I think, so good. Yeah. I, I, it's so funny because, like, I, I, I don't know what he thinks uh, because he's probably going to hear this now. But like, when I would go over to uh, my special man friend's house and be like, "Yeah, I'm just going to wash the day off," and I'm like, "Yeah," because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, exactly. like, you know, you I'm a bigger body. Downstairs. Sure. 
it's like in a bigger body, you know, your eight hour body is like having like a two day body sometimes, depending <laughs> on the weather. So <laughs> freshen it up before you get busy with it. I get it. Yeah. Totally. It's and it's like it's not that I'm ashamed. It's just like it doesn't make me feel comfortable. That's and it. that's what yeah. I mean when I say like it tells these stories so honestly. You know, is mm-hmm. like that that like women of any size are aware of that, aware of like the two day puss situation. You know, and so like it's it is like a like a female insecurity, let alone like a big female insecurity, a big girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like so it's. Um, it's it's just told so honestly. It's beautiful. I love it. When she's in the bathroom and the ch- she's got the chafe, she's got chub rub. I was like, oh. I have never heard it called that. What? I have never heard it called that. Oh, girls. Yeah. That's that's real like, for us. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard it called that. But you know um, what it is. I know. I'm like, I'm, I, when she said, I'm like, oh, that's, that's like, I know what that means. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, I watched uh, some things that we talked about last month on the, like, we heard about it, but neither of us did anything about it. Like, we heard about these things, um, so I checked them out. And I saw How to Build a Girl with Beanie Feldstein, Mm -hmm. and I saw A Secret Love, which was the lesbian documentary on Netflix. Um, The Secret Love, A Secret Love, I feel like, and I don't want to undermine their story, but I feel like if you saw the trailer, you saw the film. They're old lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> they grow all together. You get it. Wow. I know. That's it. <laughs> they I mean, baseball. <laughs> they did. They came from, you know, the All-American League. One of them did. Um, and, yeah, and that was it. So it was a documentary, like, watching two old women. And I was like, this is boring. Great. But, I mean, lovely story and all. Cool whatever but like um, you know yeah it's just all right you're old we get it you're lesbians we get it okay yeah um though the story of like like how groundbreaking it was that they confessed their love to each other in a time when that was not done mm-hmm. you know like i almost wanted to hear more of that story you know of like yeah. the context then and i that's what i was thinking it was going to be about and so much of the movie was about their life as elderly women together and like like moving them to a home together or move, should they move back to Canada or should they, you know? Um, so it was about that. Um, how to build a girl was a different story. That was something that had gotten like really, really great reviews on like the, the um, festival circuits. And um, I had wanted to see it for a while because I love Beanie Feldstein. And while it's a good fun story and there are like some fun little cameos in it. Um, I'm always like hyper aware of like British accents when you know that that's an American. Oh no. Is she British in it? She's British in this. Yeah. It's a British film. The whole thing is a British film. And I'm like, well then why cast Beanie Feldstein in it? I mean, she's charming and adorable and lovely, but she is not British. And I feel like that always takes me out of it. Um, though, I mean, I know she did her homework. She had a whole like Bridget Jones process where she like worked in a cafe for however many months and shit. But like, I don't know. Again, we go back to like my weird love hate relationship with Renee Zellweger. Cause I feel like Renee pulled that off and I feel like maybe Beanie didn't in this one. 
See, anytime, anytime an American, specifically an American, anytime an American actor does a British accent, I think of the 2005 movie The Best Man, which stars Seth Green and Peter Townsend. And Seth Green plays a Brit and Peter Townsend plays an American, which the is best like. Man? Yeah, Isn't that like with Jay Diggs? And no, there's that's. Another um, one called- there's another one called Best Man. Best man. Oh, um, this, this one, one has the article in front of it. The best man. Yes, this is uh, the best man, and it's like, why would you reverse the accents on two? Like Peter yeah. Townsend. Peter Townsend is British. Like, yeah. <laughs> why? So I think of that and how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that also takes me out of it when I know that British actors are trying to do American accents too. Like that always rubs me the wrong way too. So, all that say, yes, it was a charming movie. Um, but mm, meh. I'm glad that I watched it for $5 from home. So, you know, um, there's that. I, I have one for, we heard about at least for this month. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> what did we hear? Cause we also heard about fucking Jenny's wedding too, which we're not going to watch. Yeah. The high note. Oh, with Tracy Ellis Ross. With Tracy Ellis Ross and Dakota Johnson. Trying to be her mother. <laughs> Where she's singing. That's right. The Ice Cube is her producer. Oh um, my god. Uh, okay, we have heard about this. Yeah, we're gonna maybe check it out. One of us. One of us will. One of us will, <laughs> and we'll report back. Maybe because like yeah. I, it was in like I mean it was in all of the like. Um, <laughs> It was in all of the t- the commercials, the high note, and it's like Tracy Ellis Ross. And, yes, you know. and then the world shut down, just like it did on Ben Affleck as a big old drunk. Yeah, you know, all these movies that like skipped their their premieres and went straight to digital. Oh well, because here's the thing: I would totally like buy that movie or like rent that movie if it wasn't twenty dollar mm-hmm. <laughs> to rent it somewhere like like i had to spend twenty dollars watching cats yeah Ugh, barf which I, I haven't watched again but i'm probably going to i mean let's Are you see watch which it with one... your parents i don't think that would be a good time <laughs> <laughs> they already i already came out wendy they already know I'm gay, they already right? know they know they know <laughs> they're like we get um, it you're gay yeah. Oh, I, don't right. know, I don't know what like will making them watch cat. Like it, maybe it will it will have them maybe that's what will make me disinherited. Like it's watching cat. That or maybe it'll make everybody like cool with drugs. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's where we're like, it's it's time to experiment. It's like is that the is that the next quarantine journey I need to go on? I need to just like do <laughs> Listen, I'm here for it. I want to hear that story again. The people who made me talking with parents. There it is. There it is. Doing drugs with parents. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been a beast of June. We had so much more to say than we thought we did. <laughs> no, and we have more coming out, folks. We have we so more. much more. Yeah, we do. So uh, definitely stay tuned. Um, we're releasing this month also our delayed May episode. So we hope that you're listening to May and June kind of together. And so um, thank you again for, for saving space with us and, and for holding off on that episode Um, and uh, stay tuned for some more special quarantine episodes coming up and specifically one where we're going to highlight melanated voices and, uh, and really showcase some black art. And so, yeah, 
That's what we got coming up, y'all. It's going to be a good time, folks. Well, all right, quarantiners, sevens, nines. Nines. Elevens, maybe, question mark. (gasps) Fifteen. That's fucking ambitious. Shit. Well, I mean, if you can name, if we can each name ten people that don't overlap, then it's twenty. So, but I mean, twenties doesn't sound. I don't, I don't know that. Think think about it. Think about it. We're going to come back to you with this. Can we each name 10 people who don't overlap who listen to us? <laughs> yeah, it'll be like it'll be like a Maybe. game show sudden death. You like you Maybe. name someone and then I'll name I someone and we'll and then you name- <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we can totally do that. Yes. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, we appreciate you guys and thank you for tuning in again and uh follow us on Instagram at art time of the month and uh like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and uh leave us reviews and stuff cuz we read them. Yeah, we do. We love them. <laughs> we do. We do. We do. We do. We always want to hear what you guys have to say. So, uh thank you so much again for joining us this month and enjoy your time of the month. Bye. Bye.